podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, patrons. What up? We're going to do uh, more decluttering. But first, let's do some more about less, Ryan. Okay. Uh, Jordan, pick a number between one and three, uh, including one and three. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three. Just pick one number, either one or two or three, Jordan. You can do this. Two. Okay, he picked two. Sean, pick a number between one and 200. One ninety nine. All right. So number two, our second book is Everything That Remains. <laughs> I'm actually get, got this from Rob Bell. He did a series of podcasts where he read from his own books. Like he, he just flipped to a random page. Wow. And so this isn't so random because Jordan and Sean both picked it. So one ninety nine. This is toward the end of the book. There's only there's two hundred and what uh four two hundred and three pages, and then there's another. 30 or so pages of Ryan's end notes uh, in everything that remains. So I've never is... publicly thanked you for letting me get the last word in <laughs> that entire book. <laughs> Let's do here. Um, this is page 199 from everything that remains, and we will not have a lot of context, but that's okay. Uh, but I haven't always been this way. Well... I've always smiled at brunettes, <laughs> but I haven't always been <laughs> responsible with money. I'll be 32 in a few months. Oh, man. Remember back when I was young? I'll be 32. I was <laughs> oh 31, my, Ryan. Oh, my God, dude. Different yeah. lifetime. I'll be, yeah. yeah, I'll be 38 next month. I'll be 32 in a few months, and for the first time in my adult life, I am free of debt. That's a weird thing for me to be able to say. You see, from the time I was 18, when Chase Bank granted me my first line of credit, a MasterCard with a $5,000 limit, which would have made any poor kid from Ohio salivate, until last month, 14 years later, I've had some sort of debt. As my 20s mounted, so did my tab with the creditors. First, it was just one credit card. And then, when that one was maxed out, it was two. And then three. Visa, MasterCard, even Discover. American Express wasn't irresponsible enough to grant me a line of credit. <laughs> <laughs> what about your Diners Club card? Not for several years at least. Uh, but that's okay. I was, quote, successful. So I could afford it, right? Unfortunately, I was never great at math. Perhaps I should have financed a calculator before maxing out half a dozen cards. At 28, a decade into my accumulation, once my mother started dying, I was forced to look around at all the stuff surrounding me. It was everywhere. My house was full of things I'd purchased in an attempt to find happiness, but each item had brought with it a twinge of excitement at the checkout line, but the thrill always waned shortly after each purchase. And by the time the credit card statements arrived, I was overwhelmed with guilt a strange kind of buyer's remorse. And so I'd do it all over again, soaking in the suds of consumption in search of something that resembled happiness, an elusive concept that got farther and farther away the more I chased it. Eventually, happiness was just a speck on the horizon, way off in the distance. The closer I got, the farther I had to go. Turns out that I'd been running as fast as I could in the wrong direction. Oops. The stuff wasn't doing its job. It wasn't making me happy. Depression set in when I no longer had time for a life outside of work, laboring 80 hours a week just to pay for the stuff that wasn't making me happy. I didn't have time for anything I wanted to do. 
No time to write, no time to read, no time to relax, no time for my closest relationships. I didn't even have time to have a cup of coffee with a friend, to listen to his stories. I realized that I didn't control my time, and thus, I didn't control my own life. It's a good place to, to end there. Uh, context free, that's a, a good pick. Bravo, gentlemen. Yeah, for, good work, guys. For the page. Um, I think we'll probably do more of that on Patreon in the future. Just uh, tweezing out a, a little page there. Uh, the only thing I disagree with there is uh, I wasn't depressed, actually. I use that word depression, mm. but it was more of a, a malaise or a sadness. You know, we, we use those words interchangeably. I've actually experienced depression within the last year because of the, the gut stuff I've had going on. But, but back then, it wasn't a real depression, but it was still serious. It was, it was a sadness. It was a despair, maybe is a better word, right? Despair mm. says, well, I guess the future is always going to be like this. Yeah. I guess I'm always going to be in debt. I guess I'm always going to be chasing stuff. I guess I'll always be one or two or three or 10 or 20 steps away from happiness. Yeah. Uh, the book, uh, you know, it's fascinating writing this, this new book now, uh, Love People Use Things. So, so everything that remains is the last book, book, book that we wrote. Um, and the first draft of that was when we moved to Montana in 2012. So in a weird way, that... By the time Love People Use Things comes out in 2011, it'll have been nine years between the writing of books yeah. in a way, which is hard to even fathom right now. It's wild. Uh, we've, we've obviously written a bunch. You know, There are over 600 free blog posts over at theminimalists.com. And we've, we've, of course, done several hundred podcast episodes. If you count all the maximum episodes, I think we're, we're north of 320, 330 podcast episodes we we've written a bunch on social media but but in terms of writing books the distance between everything that remains and love people use things is nearly going to be a decade mm. and and there's a lot that we've learned in that period of time mm. i'm realizing i think about jonathan franzen he wrote a couple of my favorite novels ever he wrote the corrections which came out in 2001 and then freedom came out in i think it was 2010 when that came out and he said it only took him a year and a half to write that, which is unbelievable because it's a masterpiece. But people asked him, like, why did it take so long for you between these two books? Nine years between two phenomenal books. And he said, well, I had to live my life in order to be able to write a second one. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. You have to be able to live your life in a way and gain new perspective and new lessons. And sometimes it's new lessons from the past. It's even new lessons for me about decluttering. Yeah. Uh, I believe something different about decluttering than I did a decade ago. Isn't that great, man? Like how we can evolve our beliefs or, or values. I mean, right. it's there's still some core things there. Yeah. But it's but it's like, yeah, I mean it's it's nice to go down this road and not have those beliefs or have those values set in stone. What did the wise philosopher J.P. Sears say when we had him on? He said, you know, hold your beliefs really, really... Believe your beliefs, but don't hold them too closely. That's what it was, yeah. Believe your beliefs, but don't hold them too closely. Yeah, and uh, I heard someone who was not as profound as J.P. I mean, who could be? Um, <laughs> but uh, say something similar recently about you know the question of beliefs and also being willing to throw out your beliefs. Mm -hmm. If they're no longer serving you, sometimes we'll believe something that serves you for a period of time and it may stop serving you and, and that's okay. And it, we, we've done, you know, we've had Sam Harris on the podcast, a uh, staunch atheist, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. wrote the, 
the uh, letter to a Christian nation. Um, and then uh, we had, I just slurred a word there. What am I, Joe Biden? You uh, <laughs> 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 see, he called Donald Trump Donald Hump recently. No, he didn't. Accidentally. Didn't you forget Obama's name recently, too? <laughs> yeah, he said, oh. President, my boss. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, aneurysms will do that. I feel really bad for the guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, I. But yeah, uh, we, we, we had. Uh, and then uh, we had Erwin uh, McManus, you yeah. know. The, pastor we've had uh we've had rob, Aunt, bell. rob bell we've had annika harris we uh we're gonna have eric weinstein on so we have people with different opinions who have different beliefs and you try to learn from their beliefs and maybe incorporate some of those beliefs but as you just said you can believe your beliefs but don't hold them too closely meaning don't hold them too tightly be willing to let go of those beliefs if they're no longer serving you if they become detrimental and that is even true with some of the Beliefs I've had about decluttering. Now, of course, it's become more nuanced over the years. Mm -hmm. I'm probably less uh, of a stark minimalist. When I first embraced minimalism, I was 28 years old, and I was recently single. I had no kids. I lived in Dayton, Ohio. My life was considerably different, and mm -hmm. so I had a certain amount of beliefs that are appropriate for that period of time and less nuanced. As I've gotten older and gotten a family and my life has changed and I run a business, my my beliefs are more nuanced. And I think we're gonna talk about that a bit today. We've got a bunch of questions that you patrons sit in. So maybe that's a good place to start. You wanna read uh, Kira's question, Ryan? I get a lot of value out of celebrating the little things in life, but lately I'm finding myself feeling less fulfilled with each passing celebration or tradition. If you make traditions for the last day of summer, the first day of school, and the first day of fall with your kids, it makes each one less special, right? How do I declutter the amount of celebrations while maximizing the value I get out of each one without feeling like I'm missing out on the fun? You know, we talk a lot about if everything is valuable or every, if everything is precious, then nothing is precious at all. Right. And if everything it turns into a special occasion, well, then there are no special occasions. Yeah, and, and so I guess the, what I would say is everything can be special, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily meaningful. Like, I feel like we're, you and I are living on borrowed time. You remember the, the car accident you had right before we went on tour in 2014? And mm -hmm. you wrote an essay about it. I, I, I think it was called, like... Um, after the after crash. After the crash, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so in a weird way, like everything is special because this is all borrowed time because you very you're actually more likely to die that day than not yeah and and somehow you you survived it yeah and i'm grateful for that but everything after that has been borrowed time so it can be special and in meditation and also ketamine um has you know when i've, I've done doctor prescribed ketamine has helped me realize that every moment is special in its own sort of unique way mm -hmm. meditation helps you realize that even doing nothing this moment is special but uh, the way i would rephrase kira's statement is yeah, it's maybe not less special but yes if everything is a celebration then it's not going to be very meaningful right yeah we were talking about that during the minimal episode where it's like there are a lot of holiday decorations we don't put up mm -hmm. and so maybe the question to ask yourself is what if you let go of the, the traditions that are no longer serving you will that make your existing traditions more meaningful and then also i think part of the fun is in the planning and the anticipation of the tradition so if you have a tradition that's happening every single day you're not really going to be anticipating it anymore but remember as a kid ryan like when it, you pull your hair out waiting to open like well never mind you didn't do christmas ah! 
I mean, I, I started after the, like the second grade. Oh, I'm so sorry. I do remember oh. my first Christmas though, and it was absolutely crazy. Right, and, and, yeah. and what makes it crazy isn't just the experience. Well, I've learned this with Ella. Like, if I surprise her, like she likes the surprise. But you know what she likes so much more? It drives her crazy in a good way is anticipating the surprise. So mm. I will tell her, hey, next Wednesday, I've got the most amazing surprise for you. I'll give you three hints and like we'll go through it. And, uh, and, and she'll, is it Wednesday yet? When is Wednesday coming? And and that is more fun than, than the, often than the surprise itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Kira, talk to your kids too. What do they like celebrating? I mean, figure out what their favorite things are to celebrate, ask them for their top three favorite things and maybe cut back a little bit. Here's the thing too, Kira, you could you could go to zero celebrations and then start adding in one at a time to like see it. what really is meaningful. Isn't it funny though, man, how if we deprive ourselves, life is miserable. Right. If we overindulge, life is miserable. Right. So where's that balance for you, Kira? And I, if I was you, I'd talk to your kids and see what they want to celebrate. That seems to me like the, the best place to start. I like that. And I also like the idea of creating new traditions. Yeah. Because that's another thing you could do. Like if your old traditions aren't serving you anymore, it doesn't mean you have to go without long term. I love the idea of temporarily depriving yourself, getting down to zero. But then what new traditions can we create together as a family? And it might be just be subtle shifts. Like we're going to go to the movies every Christmas or every Thanksgiving we're going to uh, go work at a... Um, a soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there are things that we can do that are new traditions that you can find meaningful and, and creating those new traditions. You know, the only way you can do that is if you make room for them by getting rid of the ones that aren't serving you. Yeah. You know what too, man, I think this just hap- this just happens with life is so Christmas, my very first Christmas, I was in the second grade and my mom had just left my dad and uh, we were living with my grandma in Morrow, Ohio uh, Warren County. Shout out to Warren County. Whoop, whoop. And I remember all the gifts being underneath the trees and or, or all the gifts being underneath the tree. We just had one tree <laughs> 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 and like anticipating opening up those gifts. And then I remember like walking down the stairs in the morning and there was a bike underneath, like they must have hit it and then brought it out Christmas morning. And there was all this like awesome anticipation and the moment was there and new bike. But as each Christmas went on, I mean, the, the excitement kind of waned a little bit. And I'm not saying that this happens for every single person, but there are certain things in life that once we get used to the pattern, mm-hmm. our our brains start to get a bit bored. I, I'm not... It's called the hedonic treadmill. Yeah, and I think I think that Christmas always has some level of... Because I do, like, you know, when it's all, all the lights are up in LA, even though there's no snow. Yeah, like it's I, odd, right? It's, it's kind of surreal. Yeah, but I really love it, man. Like going down Rodeo Drive and looking at all those lights, it's really cool. Yeah, And like I can still get a sense of excitement, but I'm not getting that second grade excitement. And I think what you talked about with creating new traditions, that is a new way to uh, to get some some kind of different excitement in life. And that's, yeah, that's totally appropriate. That's why I often think nostalgia is dangerous because we're trying to recapture, reclaim mm. something we're never going to be able to reclaim it's uh, what, yeah. what a, uh, when, when uh, people are on heroin it's called chasing the dragon right yeah and that's an obvious uh, uh, extreme example but we do that every day with our purchases with our traditions with our experiences we try to like recapture something that was beautiful in the past we actually I want to talk real quick about um, so I got this the uh, Blackberry right I went I'm going back to a confident phone you're such a hipster I know right here's the weird thing though so it's it's like 
Did you open up a coffee shop too? <laughs> Actually, yeah, we did open a coffee shop. Right? Oh, wait. <laughs> Where's my Blackberry? Bandacoffee.co. Um, no, so so um, the, the Blackberry thing, like, I have fond memories of it being a great productivity tool and not getting in the way. Mm. It didn't have a bunch of apps that, and, and you know what? The, I, I went back to it recently and I've been playing around with it and it's actually harder for me to type on it than I remember. Isn't that, dude, that, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. Cause a, you're ne- like what, going back to the drug, the drug, uh, example, you're never going to get as high as that first time. Mm hmm. And then the worst part is, is what you're talking about with your BlackBerry. The memory of it is better than the actual experience. It's like it. an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it's like the one that got away. Right, and and so here's the thing, like that you remember, the I'm I'm trying to like write about this at this point, and I haven't fully articulated. So we'll use Patreon as as the uh, the what do we call this? The the first draft of of this in a way. Um, it's it's like. When you you do have fond memories of some ex girlfriends, right? Sure. Or if if you're a woman listening to this and and you have uh, former lovers, maybe maybe it's a uh, ex boyfriend or ex husband or or whatever. And uh, the I have these memories of of ex lovers where I know the the cumulative happiness of the relationship. Mm-hmm is not anywhere close to what my current relationship is, but you remember one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go on. And for me, that one thing, let's say, uh, this is Patreon, we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. Let's say it's oral sex, okay? Okay. Yeah. And you're like, she was really good at that. Right. And, And my Blackberry is like, has one thing, it's that keyboard, right? Yeah. That keyboard is oral sex. And you're like, oh my god! Like I really remember that. But then you like go back, and you're like, no, this isn't right for me. Like right. this doesn't feel how I remember it felt. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, I was, I was fantasizing. I was creating a false memory in a way. Yeah. Like, it's not bad, but it's not the good thing that I yeah. actually remember. We just love romanticizing stuff, dude. That I think that's a human fault, man. We just I'm, love to romanticize things. Right, and what I'm realizing is that by bringing that thing that is actually not appropriate back into my life, it is it's illustrating a few things. It's illustrating number one is I don't appreciate it as much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Two is I actually get more value from the thing, the the current thing I have now, and it's helping me appreciate the iPhone that I have now more, but it's also, and this is the most important part, three, it's helping me realize how I am misusing my current technology. Mm. Now, I don't do social media on my phone, and I don't do email on my phone, but there are other things that still get in the way. I I subscribe to too many podcasts, so I have to go through and unsubscribe from all of them, or maybe even delete my podcast app for a month altogether Mm. to remove that from my life, to calm things down, to bring back the, the sanity and the calm in in my own life and no tool is going to do that for you yeah bringing a blackberry into my life isn't instantly going to make me happier uh although jordan can attest we we were filming a video for it It made me excited at first i was truly excited Mm. the same way i might be excited about oral sex (laughs) 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 which also means 
I'm fetishizing an object. Yeah. Anytime I fetishize an object, that should be a giant red flag yeah. that I probably don't actually need it. Yeah, absolutely. What's our next question? Kelly, maybe? Yes. Our question from Kelly. Uh, can you provide organization tips for someone who can't seem to declutter or create a clear space no matter how much minimizing has taken place? We are constantly minimizing and trying to declutter, but in an apartment... Without much shelving, it feels like the rest of our belongings are always out or don't have an appropriate place. Now, Ryan, the word that, that stands out to me is trying here. Yeah. In fact, you even you illustrated that there. What, what does Yoda say? Is it... Uh, no try, do. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is the Ventilist Podcast with special guest Yoda. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I just keep wanting to do that voice, but I understand how horrible it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing that I'll say is this is where we, we should talk about for a moment, talk about aesthetics. This is where it does help to have some beautiful objects. So I, I think objects are art. Uh, one of the things that our side project, minimalism.life, does really well. I don't know. Have you ever seen Carl's apartment? Did you actually visit his apartment no. while you were in Scotland? No. You should have, man. It's the most beautiful place I've mm. ever seen. It's, he didn't invite me over. Well, you I wasn't going to invite myself why over. Why not, man? Because I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not rude. Hey, Carl, you're really handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Can me and Mariah come over? <laughs> you to see my BlackBerry? Oh my god. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh. So so he has. If, if you follow him, put a link to his Instagram account in the show notes, Sean. He has a beautiful apartment. He has two cats too, which is really like shocking. But they were even part of the aesthetics. They're like gray and yeah. all of his places black and white. I tell you the one thing I did love about him is when we met up, he had cat hair all over him and just owned it. Did he? And I'm like, because we have a cat. Yeah. And I'd always have like a limp brush. And I'm like always getting all the hair off. And I'm like, I'm going to start owning the cat hair. Why am I so paranoid about having a yeah, shirt? He, I'm OCD in weird ways, though, man. Like he's aggressively handsome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if he I was as handsome as him, <laughs> you, you, could, you, you wouldn't could, wear a shirt at all. Yeah, you could smear cat poop on his shirt. And he'd be fine. <laughs> nice shirt. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, what I what I really like about him is he doesn't fetishize objects, but he treats objects as art and so not only do they need to have a function but they need to have a certain aesthetic quality as well and you'll find that when you follow minimalism life on instagram or you follow him on instagram or just take a look at his website um, or our website minimalism.life you can you can see the aesthetics and so it helps that if you're going to have things that are out right i think that's the, the yeah. term that kelly used yeah a small apartment with too much stuff yeah then then those things that are out on shelves you can add sh shelving by the way um then having some beautiful items really helps yeah no i totally agree i mean mariah and i are facing that right now with our our small we moved into a smaller apartment it's a studio what's the storage like there is there i mean there's cabinets and stuff obviously right there's kitchen cabinets uh there's literally one closet <laughs> That is, um, damn it! I had I had the measurements written down. I'd have to dig out my phone, which is in the other room. But it's it's a closet that's about uh, it's a walk-in closet. It's one walk-in closet basically. That is it. Oh, I take it back. There's one small little coat closet when you walk through the door that will hold coats and like a couple small little things. Mm -hmm. But we have, um, yeah, we we have this problem right now where we are like trying to figure out are we going to be able to hold on to everything we brought into that apartment and. I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, 
we we literally just moved in yesterday. Uh, we're gonna finish kind of organizing stuff today. Uh, so I'll give I'll give y'all an update on that. Especially uh, uh, I'll make sure to tell our patrons an update on that. But but yeah, I mean I might have to give up a hobby. I might have to give up. I'm trying to think because right now like we got we have plants I really really like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we got room for all the plants. Right. We have art that we really really like. I don't know if I got enough room for all the art. Actually, no, I got enough wall space for the art. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else, but, but there are these things I really do enjoy and that do add value to my life in my old apartment, Mm -hmm. but it may not add value to my life in this new apartment. It may be a hindrance and those are some tough decisions, but with Mariah and I, uh, first off, we'll make the decisions together. I'm not just going to tell her what stays and goes. Mm -hmm. She's not going to tell me what stays and goes. So her and I will talk about what's appropriate for, for the studio. And I'll tell you what, I'll be the first one to volunteer to get rid of stuff. Because if I volunteer to get rid of stuff, then Mariah's going to volunteer to get rid of stuff. Right. But I'm not going to point at her and be like, you know what? If you got rid of that thing, I'd like, be happier. I've got this inversion table uh-huh. that is because my back just, I mean, you know, we, we all, I don't have to talk about my broken back. We've talked about it enough. Oh, I might need to borrow it from you. Dude, so my inversion table, like we have, we had a lot of space up in the, the studio bedroom we have, uh-huh. except for that inversion table is like, I literally like, it's, it's, six inches away from the bed uh-huh. so like when i wake up like this morning i woke up which is actually the first night we spent in it <laughs> i like almost just like got straight up into the inversion table and i was like do i really need that inversion table but it is it has its health benefits what if you slept on the inversion table oh my god you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'm actually going through this with uh i'm going to be going through this this week with bex like i've realized that so you talked about having art on the walls and stuff i just don't like having stuff on the walls period i yeah. like having blank walls i mean right. you know that about me and that's yeah um, yeah and, and, and so that's okay. We have a few photographs on our wall in the kitchen, and I just don't like them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have to sit down and have a difficult conversation with Bex. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I would prefer to not have these. Would it be okay with you if we found another home for them mm-hmm. somewhere? And uh, if so, where? And before I do that, though, I need to come up with some proposed solutions. You don't want to present a problem to someone yeah. without having at least two or three solutions, potential solutions available. Because if you're just presenting a problem, then you're part of the problem. You can yeah. tweet that podcast, Sean. Boom. But uh, Kelly, yes. Um, you know what? There might be some things that are no longer appropriate. Now, if a hobby or something adds so much value to your life that it makes sense to have, go have a, uh, a storage locker or storage space, then okay. But that's few and far between. And if you're constantly going, if you go there every day to you know, get the roller skates out of your storage locker or whatever it is, then great. But we want to avoid having an excuse to hoard our stuff off site because then it's out of sight, out of mind. But it's also out of our checkbook as well, out of our bank account because you got to pay for that every month. Josh, I feel really, really bad about calling you an idiot, even though I was joking. So I'm just going to apologize. <laughs> You're one of the it. smartest people I know, that, uh, and I'm going to try sleeping on my inversion table. <laughs> 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 you come back next podcast guys you're not gonna believe this i get the best night of sleep <laughs> and i grew two inches <laughs> and all i'm talking about in height uh, all right cynthia let's talk about decluttering our mobile phones home screen dude i'd finally found a good solution to this actually based off of one of your recommendations tell me uh you were talking about how the kindle app is you, you have that out on your main screen mm-hmm. and what what that made me ask myself is when I go to my phone 
what do I wish I went to every single time? What a great question. Yeah. So the it's the Kindle and it's the um, audio. I'm going to write this down, by the way. <laughs> it's the Kindle app and the uh, Audible app, which, by the way, all the minimalist books can be found on audible.com. All right. So, <laughs> <clears throat> so that's what I did, man. I took, and then you know the four, so I got an iPhone and the four little folders on the bottom. Right. So they, they were not folders. They are the main apps. Well, what I did is I moved every single, I created four folders and moved them to the bottom. I've yeah. got, I've got uh, utilities. I've got um, travel. I have entertainment and I have uh, social, not social media, but social. And social is like um, Skype. Uh, uh, um, what, what is the Apple service? Communication is really what you're saying. Yeah, right? really. Yeah, FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah. Um, uh, text messages, things like that. There's only one. You can't swipe on that folder. Like, there's only one page right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones have a few different pages to swipe on. But if I'm looking for an app and I can't find it, like, there's there's something wrong with that app, like me having that app either I'm not using it enough and I do that sometimes like in the travel folder for example I'll download I don't know Aer Lingus app because I'm in Europe and I'm flying Aer Lingus well there's not Aer Lingus in the United States so yeah I've got to like download that when I when, when I'm on vacation and then I'll, I'll delete it when I when I come back to the states but it's crazy though like you know Mariah will have my phone and she's like oh you know can I you know she's asking to look at my phone to, to uh, get to something whether it's you know our plane tickets or whether I'm asking her to write something down in the notebook, I know exactly where everything is in that phone. Yeah, like I could say, "Oh, that is, oh, that's a utility. You need to go to the utility folders, third page in the center." Like I know exactly where it's at. So um, for me, like that is what has worked best, and I love it, man. Because with my phone, when I, you know, if I get a notification, the only thing I see is like uh, the actually I don't even. Oh yeah, I guess I do get the little window notification, but all I see are those two apps, Kindle and Audible, and that's it. And it feels so good. And Which then, app do I wish I would have went to? That I um I did something similar with, with the Kindle app where when I got Instagram off my phone because that was like the thing I would find myself just uh, unconsciously scrolling to. Like I was like a habit. Like I knew where it was. Well, I replaced where it was with the Kindle app, and then mm. so I found myself like unconsciously reading a book all of a sudden, and that's so much better. I also use a great app called Instapaper. I don't know if you ever use that. No. But Anytime that I, uh, and I pay for it, uh, so I have to make sure I have like an ad-free version. I always pay for things whenever I can get the ad-free version, whether it's YouTube, Patreon. Mm. Um, but uh, what, I'll, what I'll do with Instapaper is like, say someone s- sends me a New York Times article. You're like, hey, Josh, you really need to read this thing about, you know, the top 10 podcasts or whatever it is, or here's a really great article about David Foster Wallace. Uh, I will just hit on my web browser, I hit Instapaper and it puts it on my Instapaper app on my phone so that when I have a free moment, I, instead of trying to search social media or something, I can just read the articles that I've been meaning to catch up on. Oh my God, dude. I used to have, I don't do this anymore because I've just made the rule that if I don't read it right away, I'm just probably not going to read it. That's a very good rule too. I, I So I, in my Instapaper, I go in once a week and delete anything I haven't read. But there are some things where like a week later, I'm like, oh, I, gotta, I will look up someone's text or email and that's how I know I really want to. I really want to read it. But I, I, I love this Instapaper paper idea. But dude, I can't tell you how many times I would just have like twenty tabs open, <laughs> and then like that would stress me out. So then I would just like create a new window to like do whatever work I wanted to do, oh, and then forget about those twenty tabs, and then have like another ten tabs open. It's like its own clutter. Oh my way. god, dude! Yeah, or uh, you remember the dude who was at our event, and he was like, "I need some advice on 
all these bookmarks I have. He's like, I got book, I got over like 500 bookmarks. I do remember this, yeah. On things that I'll read one day. And, uh, you know, how do you suggest I get through reading these? And I'm like, honestly, man, get rid of them all. Delete like, them all. Delete right them all. Now. And he deleted them right there. And he did. And he told me how relieved he felt. And it's, it's crazy, though. I did ask him, like, hey, look, if you went to your phone right now and imagine that somehow they accidentally got deleted, like, how would you feel? Remember when you deleted my whole memo notepad? Yeah. <laughs> Not on purpose. No, it wasn't on purpose. It was on accident trying to trying to get my new phone working. Um I mean there were a couple small like there were some jokes on there I wish I would have had and So you get for coming to me for tech support. That's right. <laughs> a couple essays. But ultimately though, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as what I anticipated. No, I'm the same way. I lost 200 essays recently. Oh my god. I don't like they're fragments of different essays cuz I went to them to like because I've been writing this book, yeah. uh, and I'm like, I'll just go to my essay fragment, see if I got some good ideas here, and they were gone. There oh, was wow. two of them left. I don't know what happened to them. Oh, my goodness. Like, literally, just 200 essays. I got revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed both of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, here, here's I'll, I'll say two things to finish out the, the, fo- the home screen. I have no icons like you on my home screen, mm. and I do have those folders at the bottom. And I remove anything that is distracting. I will constantly ask myself, it, what am I being distracted by? Now, thankfully, you can also track your, your productivity time and the, app, the time you're spending on different apps. Mm-hmm. And if you're spending too much time, then you can remove that app for a period of time and then bring it back in if you really feel like it's going to add value. Here are some apps I do get immense value from. Uh, Brain FM is one. Yeah. Uh, if, I am, if I'm really trying to work and concentrate, they have a, I think it's seven bucks a month, so it's not cheap. But I use it all the time. If I'm trying to write a book, like they have a concentration feature, so I just have my earbuds in, and it's like concentration music. Mm-hmm. If I want to take a nap, they have nap music. If I want to just relax, they have relaxed music. If I want to sleep, they have deep sleep music. And so it's it's really helpful. I use it all the time. I use a podcast app called Overcast, although I'm finding that podcasts for me are too addictive, mm. and I'm, I'm getting immense value from a handful of them. And so what I'm going to do, not only am I going to do this again, I did it last year, it's time to do it again. I'm going to unsubscribe from all the podcasts that mm. I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to resubscribe to only the ones I miss, but I'm also going to set up some parameters about when I can listen to podcasts. And it's going to be when I'm exercising, uh, when I'm walking to work, not when I'm just walking because uh, I walk a lot and that's when I do a lot of my best thinking for writing. And so I don't want to just be listening to podcasts all the time. But if I'm walking directly to work, I give my, instead of driving to work, I give myself permission. Or if I'm driving somewhere, I'll give myself permission to listen to podcasts. But I rarely drive anymore. So there will be certain times I can listen to podcasts. Other times I'm just going to have to sit alone with, with my own thoughts, as crazy as that might be. Mm. Uh, other apps that I get value from, uh, we already talked about the Kindle app. We talked about Audible. We talked about Instapaper. Those are the big ones for me. But um, the other one is FaceTime. You know, I'm not always with Bex or Ella, and so I get immense value from being able to interact with them on, on FaceTime. If you want a really good wallpaper for your phone, a nice reminder once you've gotten all the apps off the home screen, head on over to theminimalists.com slash lovepeople. We have a love people use things wallpaper over there that you can download for free. All right. Our next question is from Joanna. How do I declutter my boxes and boxes and boxes of photos? I know I need to downsize my inventory and move into the 21st century. I just don't know where to start. 
Start with the scanning party. Go to theminimalists.com slash scanning. If you put party at the end of anything, it's a whole lot more fun. But seriously, uh, what you'll find is you have a bunch of photos in those boxes and boxes of photos. Yeah. Many of them, you're going to go through there and you're going to say, why do I even have this photo? This is a photo of a random person. I don't even know who this person is. I was doing this with my mom's photos. Yeah. And I was scanning them and you invite some friends over and then you can reminisce together like, oh, remember that time? And this is like the good part of nostalgia because you're not trying to bring it into the future. You're just remembering. You're you're conjuring up memories. Mm-hmm. And that's great because you can then discuss it and you can have a good time together. You order some food have some drinks, and you're scanning photos together. You get a a relatively inexpensive photo scanner, but that also works for documents as well. You can scan documents with that, so you don't have to have an entire file cabinet of all these junk uh, documents that you're probably never going to use. You can scan them, and then here's what I say. Delete liberally. If you find a box of photos, you don't remember the people in those photos, you probably don't need those photos. You can scan them if you want, but if I don't remember the name of the person in the photo, I don't keep it. Now, one last tip. When I'm organizing the photos on my hard drive, I do two things. Uh, one is I, I, I back it up on a hard drive, external hard drive, but then I also back it up in the cloud. I use Dropbox personally, but you can use anything. You can use iCloud. You can use Box. You can use any of these backup services. And by the way, if you don't want to scan them yourself, you can... Uh, uh, use uh, $1scan.com or what's the other one? My Scanner, maybe. Uh, My Scan, something like that. Sean, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. We have no affiliation with them, obviously. Um, but the other thing I do is I name the files. So if I have a picture of me and Ryan and Jason Ratliff together. Uh, you cut out Jason Ratliff <laughs> and Ryan and add Alex Adair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, what I'll do is I, I will just I will name the file uh, JFM. Nicodemus, Ratliff, and then the year, 2007. Yeah. And that way it tells me if I'm searching, if I'm searching my computer or my hard drive for, do I have any photos with Jason Ratliff? I'll just type in Ratliff and then, oh, here are six photos with him. And here's the one from 2007. Here's one from 2011. It helps it me be a little bit more organized that way. But yes, delete liberally. Here's here's the ultimate thing, Joanna. To declutter your boxes and boxes of photos is going to take a lot of work. And the advice that Josh and I are giving is very simple, but as we often say, simple is not easy. So Joanna, you do have to prepare yourself to put a lot of uh, upfront effort to declutter those boxes and boxes of photos. So try to make it as fun as possible. Like Josh said, have a scanning party, talk about the memories with friends and family, have some boxed wine and scrumpets. And then after that, it's going to take a filing system. It's going to take uh, it's going to take some organizing on your part to prevent the clutter from re-entering your life with the photos. Oh, and by the way, when you we talk about not 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 re-entering your life, mm-hmm. you don't want it to build up again. Just like with our physical things, we de- declutter our closet, but then we go out on a shopping spree and re-clutter our closet. Right. That's a problem. The same thing is also true with well, I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon. I'm going to take 4,700 photos mm-hmm. of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Well, of course it's cluttered. So I have a time where I declutter my phone every time I get on an airplane. Yeah, it, that's my trigger. So, what is your trigger? It doesn't matter what it is. My trigger is I'm gonna as soon as I get on an airplane, I'm gonna go through my phone and delete any duplicates, anything that, that's on my phone that I that I no longer want. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jennifer wants to know. I really like hearing the why behind clutter. More why, please. So let's talk more about the why. So, so if we, 
I think this is important because if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, we can do it. We can declutter our closet. But if you don't know why you just declutter it, then a week from now, a month yeah. from now, a year from now, it will be recluttered. It'll be repopulated with stuff. And it may be some things that you like slightly better than the things you had before, but it is still uh, a new problem. It's more clutter. It's more debt. It's more anxiety. It's more mm -hmm. stress. It's more overwhelm. It's more discontent, ultimately. And the reason being is you need to know what the benefits of simplifying are. And by the way, the benefits are different for each of us. The benefits for me might be reclaiming control of my finances, mm. or what about my time or my attention, or it could be that you are improving your relationships because all the clutter has gotten in the way of your relationships, or it's improving your home life, or maybe it's just easier for you to clean your house. Maybe that's the benefit. Yeah. What are some of the benefits for you? I think you need to ask yourself that. That's how you understand what the why is. It makes the what a whole lot easier. I think the worst reason to become a minimalist <clears throat> is because your friend became a minimalist. <laughs> now, I know that's why I became a minimalist, <laughs> because you became a minimalist. But no, I, I actually jumped into it because I saw the benefits and I really saw a problem in my own life and I thought, oh, minimalism might help me tackle these problems. But if I just wanted to be cool like you and just jumped into it without knowing why, yeah, maybe I could have got rid of everything, but then I might have found myself just sulking in a very empty apartment. Yeah. And you know, our our places look very different. You like you walk in your house, you actually might say there's a minimalist that lives here where in my place, like, you know, it would just, because we have a studio, so there's not a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. You might just look around and be like, oh yeah, there's like, you know, people here without clutter. Right. So, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important that you do get behind that why, because yeah, you might find yourself doing something for the wrong reasons. And if you can get clear on the why, then you can feel good about the decisions you make in your life. All right. The next question is from Lisa. How do you declutter gifts? without hurting the gifter's feelings. My mom got into hand-making home decor items, which are not my taste, but she expects me to have her decorations out. How do you let go of items that someone spent a lot of time making without feeling bad or guilty about it? I want to rephrase this question. Okay. I just want Lisa to maybe look at it this way. And I always go to an extreme because I think that just helps I, us I've, gain... I've got a good extreme as well. It helps us gain a different perspective on things. Okay. So let's say that Lisa was an alcoholic. Uh-huh. She was a recovering alcoholic and didn't drink, but her mother loved to make wine. So she brewed wine and worked really, really hard on it and then gave her bottles of wine, expecting her to have that out and drink it with company. And I mean, th that doesn't make any sense, right, Lisa? And I know that that is an extreme example, but if your mom is forcing something on you that is that's not your problem per se yeah what, what's your extreme example no i, I really like yours I'm, i wrote right in fact i just wrote yours down i think that's great man um uh, mine is even more extreme than that mm. because it's a, it's a parody but if what if your mom I, uh, here's here's a question to ask what gifts would you you know right now you would not accept from your mom. Like, okay, she wants to give you home decor and right now you're willing to accept that. But there has to be some gift you wouldn't be willing to accept. Yeah. What if she bought you a box of turds? <laughs> would you say thanks for the box of turds, mom? No, of course you wouldn't. You yeah. would say, I I don't want this shit. <laughs> and, and now there's a tactful way for you to say that about the home decor as well. Because effectively it serves the same purpose for you mm -hmm. as a box of shit mm. because there, there is the, you're not going to get any function out of it. It is getting in the way. It turns you off. It 
in in a way it's consumerism and consumerism is gross just like that that box of turds is gross mm. and so it's gross to you now that doesn't mean that you have to go to her and say i think your decorations are crap no right. of course not that's a terrible way to handle it but what i'm trying to help you understand is there are some things you don't have to accept we all know there's a line somewhere right and for most of us there's certainly a line with the box of turds yeah no. where is your line and help your mom draw that line together so <clears throat> you know let's go from the extreme just to like you know because lisa's not going to be like mom what if i was an alcoholic or what if you were giving me shit mm -hmm. so um lisa you want to show your mom that you do appreciate the thought and that you appreciate her love and that you appreciate her in general and you can do can that I disagree with you for a second uh after if, if after i'm finished okay so you want to show her that you appreciate having her in your life. So go out of your way to support her as much as possible. But when you supporting her, when it brings negative uh, consequences in your life, that is where you do have to uh, work with your mother to draw those lines. So again, if you are showing your mom support, she's going to show you support. And uh, uh, that's that's ultimately how you're going to get your mom behind helping you out. I mean, that conversation I had with my mom about, hey, I love you. You love me, right? Yeah, I do love you. I want you to be happy. You want me to be happy too, right? Yeah, of course I want you to be happy. Well, if that's the case, then I really need your support. And to support me, I really can't have all these home decorations. I would love to help you find a maybe a good home for them. But bringing, the, bringing these into my life, it is, it's not helping me. It's actually hurting me. And it's making me less happy. So I really need your support there. Um, the other thing too is, because sometimes you get gifts thrown on you. No matter what, if someone gives you something, it's yours. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want with it. So okay. if you allow them, if you allow their expectations to rule your life, you're going to be miserable. Right, because people have competing expectations, by the way. Yep. You, if you have 500 Facebook friends, mm -hmm. they're all going to expect something different from you. Sure. And sometimes those expectations are mutually exclusive. Where I disagree with what you were saying a moment ago is uh, you want to... Uh, you, I think you said appreciate the, the thought, right? Mm -hmm. No, you don't because it's a lack of thought on, on your mom's part. Mm. And you want, but she doesn't know it yet. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So you, what you want to do is help her understand that she's not thinking by giving you these things. Mm. And, and but, but the thought, yeah, I guess we're, we're going to, I guess, disagree on how I use the word thought there. But the thought of her mother isn't thoughtless. She's not being thoughtless. Her mom is actually being like, I love you. I want to show you that I love you. I want people in your house to know that I love you. <clears throat> That's the thought I'm talking about. But she's being inconsiderate of, of her daughter's The way that she's showing that needs. thought, she absolutely is. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Donna, most of my storage tubs are of my adult children's favorite toys, school memorabilia and some of my high school things. I love looking at them once in a while. However, I move a lot and hate moving them each time. My adult children struggle with opiate addiction and it reminds me of a simpler time. I hope one day they'll have a home of their own to cherish their moments when looking at these items. They bring me comfort. And if I get rid of these things, I'll feel empty. Thoughts? Yeah, this is this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the minimal episode with uh, Bernardo Castrop's um, quote when he said, the prime directive of the mind is self deception mm. and <clears throat> what we're really talking about there is we create some stories about our, uh, about 
the stuff that we own, the yeah. stuff that we have. And the story that Donna has created right now is a disempowering story. And that story is, they bring me comfort, and if I get rid of them, I will be empty. The story that I created for myself is if I get rid of this anchor or this clutter, I will be free. You'll be able to move on. Yeah. I yeah. Can, and, and so we have the capacity to tell ourselves to create whatever stories that we want to create. I'll also echo what we talked about a moment ago, but I'll append it a little bit. When we talked about nostalgia being dangerous, you're never going to be able to drag up the past. you never be able to recreate the past. But we're also lying to ourselves when we say those were simpler times. Mm. They weren't necessarily simpler times. Let's, remember, let's, remember when things used to be so simple? <laughs> well, mm. let's talk about the Latin root of simple and the Latin root of complex. Complex means to, in, it has the same Latin root as uh, complect, which means to, to intertwine, to interweave two or more things together. The Latin root of the word simple is simplex, which means one thing. And so your life wasn't one thing in the past. It wasn't simple before. It was complected back then. It's complected now. The question is, are we complecting the right things together? We're always going to have a complex life. Life is necessarily complex, mm -hmm. but are, are, are you complecting it with, uh, with residue from the past or are you complecting it with new memories and new experiences. And some of those are going to be hard. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that your children struggle with, uh, with opioid addiction. Uh, Ryan and I have had many people in, in our family and, and mm. loved ones who have, have dealt with that as well. Yeah. But the, the things from the past are, aren't going to help with the problems of the present. Yeah, I will say, you know, Donna, w what you're doing here when you look at these things and remember a simpler time, you're escaping the situation you're in. And I'm not, I'm not totally opposed to, and you can disagree with me on this or let me know if I'm way off base here, Josh, but I don't disagree with escaping. I think that there's some, when I go see a movie, it is an escape. It is a, it, it is a, uh, a time to relax and just kind of get lost into a storyline. Or if I get into a really good book, it's like a chance for me to escape and get lost in a, in a really good uh, narrative. So, yeah. I, I, so I'll, I'll just delineate. I think there's sure. two, two different things there. Um, <clears throat> I don't like escaping. I do like leisure. I think leisure is deliberate. I think, I think escaping is, is unintentional. It's, See, it's I love pacific. escape rooms. <laughs> which you do deliberately, <laughs> which is like, strangely, escape rooms yeah. are a leisurely activity. Yeah, I, I, I think meditation is a way of escaping also. Um, I think there can be healthy escapes is really what I'm getting at here, Donna. So... What I would encourage you to do, Donna, is find a healthy escape or a healthy leisure activity, however you want to phrase it. Find something that's healthy, but sitting down and remembering once was that isn't anymore is only going to cause you pain. You might be able to tweet that, Sean. Yeah. Um, here's the thing too, Donna, is mm, I'm just going to tell it to you straight because that's what I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Donna, don't hold on to things because of what you want to happen or don't hold on to things for the way you want things to be one day. You want to live your life now for the way things are. And right now, your kids are going through a really tough time. Holding on to those things is not going to bring them back. It's not going to help them get over their tough time. And I, I would pause it. And this is just a suggestion, just my two cents. You do whatever you want, Donna. But 
if you do kind of let some of these things go, you you might be able to start moving forward with your life. It's very hard to move forward when our loved ones are not on the same path or they're not moving forward themselves. Um, I don't want to undermine that. I have uh, I have family members who are very addicted to all sorts of drugs, opiates being one of their many addictions. Um, I have been down that road before myself, and it's it's not an easy road, but you are not going to get your children to change. Your children are going to get themselves to change, and they have to want that change. And again, you holding on to their things, you reminiscing, you reminding them about it, it is not going to change what is. So you've got to be able to delineate be- between the way you want things to be and the and the way things are. And if I was you, I would act on the way things are. The other thing too, let's take the addiction out of it. Let's just talk about uh, parents who are holding on to their children's things because their kids don't want their parents to get rid of it. Well, then great. Let your kids come and pick the stuff up. Amen. But if you're if, but if you're saying, hey, you know, I've got these old high school wrestling trophies and I'm going to get rid of them. And they say, well, don't get rid of those. I might want those one day. And then you say... It's one day today. Yeah, it's one day today. Come on over and get them. No, 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 no. I don't have room for them. Well, no, you got a deadline. Yeah, I don't have room either. Yeah. So uh, sometimes as parents... You know, you don't want to have to tell your kids what to do, but you do want to set boundaries. And unfortunately, sometimes that means you got to set boundaries with your adult children. I think deadlines are so important with stuff like that. And it, I, Bex and I will do deadlines as well. If we're trying to sell something like on eBay and it doesn't sell, then we give ourselves a deadline. If it doesn't sell by that deadline, then we will donate it yeah. or we'll lower the price one time. And and so so what what I've realized is that these self-imposed deadlines help us move on, help untether us from the past because untethering ourselves from the past is the only way we can move forward. Yeah. Donna, again, I just want to let you know, I, I do empathize with uh, the, the addiction that your children have. And uh, Josh and I don't want to undermine the pain and the struggle that you're going through right now. So uh, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to you, Donna. Uh, best of luck. Yao writes in, my parents always want to salvage things I want to get rid of. What should I do? Dude, it sounds like you have a perfect outlet to dump all your stuff on. Yeah, like <laughs> let them have it. If, if they want your stuff, it's not your job to impose your beliefs on other people. You're not trying to convert anyone. You're not trying to proselytize. It's not up to you to determine, I think my parents shouldn't have this many items. No, 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 that's on them. Now, if they come to you and they're asking for decluttering advice, then that's great. Maybe you can help them out with that. But if they're trying to, if you're trying to get rid of stuff and your parents want it, that's a match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing to, to consider is that, well, I guess to consider for you, if you are worried about giving your parents a bunch of stuff just to in turn one day have to take care of all that stuff once they pass on. If that's a legitimate concern, then talk to your parents about that. Um, I mean, that's something, you know, way in the future, hopefully. And and hopefully, uh, you know, they don't accumulate a bunch of stuff that you have to get rid of. But I know kids who are facing this problem with their parents are like, they look at their parents and they see, you know, what used to be their bedroom. That's now just an arts and crafts room that's packed to, you know, from floor to ceiling with stuff. And every time they go there, and they look at it and they're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to deal with that when my parents pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a legitimate concern. And you should certainly talk to your parents about that. But to Josh's point, you can't force anything upon them. You can you can only ask for their support. 
and support them. And there's one thing I want to say too, man, that I keep meaning to mention. I'm finding a good, trying to find a good question to bring this back up. But when it comes to supporting and when it comes to giving, you don't want to give with the expectation of getting. You don't want to support with the expectation of getting a support back. Now, maybe you have the idea that plausibly you'll get something back or plausibly you'll get respect back. But having the expectation of if I do X, then they should do Y, that can also be a little bit of a dangerous path. So be careful about that. Amber wants to know, do you have any ideas on how to declutter when you don't have a lot of space? We're three adults and one child in a two-bedroom apartment. No matter how few things we bring in or let go of, we still struggle with clutter. This sounds a lot like my living situation, except we don't have three adults. We have two adults and one child in a two-bedroom apartment, mm. and we don't have any clutter. So is the fact that you have one additional person in your house adding an immense amount of clutter? It doesn't sound to me like, like you have... Uh, like you have an abundance of people. It's not seven people living in a one bedroom apartment. And so you probably have a stuff problem more than you have a, a small space problem. Of course, the easiest way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. Mm. And my guess is if you have a lot of clutter still, then you probably still have a lot of things that aren't serving a purpose or bringing you joy. And you can... Do the 30-day minimalism game. I mean, that's that's a really great place to start, especially if there are, I mean, how many people do you have in your household? You have three adults, one child, there's four of you. Playing the 30-day minimalism game together, that would get rid of 2,000 items over the course of one month mm. if you did that. So I think that'd be a pretty darn good start. I love that, dude, because that brings everyone in the household on board. Yeah, and, and you feel like you're playing together toward a, a, a common goal. Yeah, instead of like pointing out what's wrong with each other you're you're in it with each other uh jennifer i'm looking for tips on the conversation around the monetary value of things i tend to give away things and my husband tends to overvalue the expected sale price to the point of never letting the thing go i'm sure there's a middle ground or a series of questions that can help alleviate the should it stay or should it go moment i like what you talked earlier about the ebay thing how do you how do you get you and Bex are both minimalists, so it's easy for you both to get on board with this. Yeah, but we, we have different we have different beliefs around things, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a much more stark minimalist than her. Right. And so when it gets down to the nuanced stuff, it's actually probably in, in some ways it can be more frustrating for us because it's we're, we're talking about things that are on the edges and like oh this is so close to perfect for me. Uh, if you do that, then it's so close to like there. It's not like we're complete opposites, right? Right. Uh, so the, the thing that is most important is I talk with Bex. I don't talk to or at Bex. And I, I, I see that in Jennifer's question here. You know, the, uh, she's basically saying, my husband tends to overvalue expected sale price to the point of blah, blah. It's like that to me indicates that people talking at each other. Yeah. You're doing this. No, no, no. You're doing this. You don't value it enough, Jennifer. Mm. Well, no, you value it too much, husband. And and it's like, well, let's talk with each other. Mm-hmm. Why do you value it so much? Do you understand about the sunk cost fallacy? Let's let's read about the sunk cost fallacy together because in economics, we 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 can learn about the the things we think 
the, the value we think a thing has, it doesn't actually have. Let's talk about other costs, you know, about opportunity costs. Do, do we know about um, dollar cost averaging of our things? Do we, do we know about the uh, actual cost of a thing? What, what you might call in, in, in accounting, you call it all cost accounting. Mm. You and I just call it the true cost. Yeah. Uh, because the storing the thing is part of the all cost accounting. Yeah. Uh, Washing the thing is part of all cost accounting. The time spent worrying about the thing is part of all cost accounting. And talking about these ideas together in a very, uh, when you start talking about all cost accounting, it starts to remove all the emotion from things. You can't talk about accounting in, in an emotional way usually. Right. When you start talking about these principles, it allows you to talk about the things removed from you and me and when you remove it from you or me you remove the emotion from it and they, then they just become things and we get to be able to create a new story around those things yeah i mean i just i just for most of these questions i just want to say like or i want to ask like, are you supporting the other people in your life because that's that's the that's the only way that you can go to someone else and ask them for support. Well, maybe, maybe the better question there is how how can you better support your husband? Yeah. Or, with respect to this. Yeah. Uh, and or not even with respect to this. What are in what ways overall in general could you better support your husband? In fact, uh, there's a question that I've been using recently with Beck. So uh, the best book I've ever read on on relationships is Colin Wright's Some Thoughts About Relationships. We well, uh, Bex and I have sat down and literally read through. It's only like 80 pages. It's a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've we've read through the entire book, each policy, one policy at a time. They're like one or two pages, each policy. And we'll, we'll talk about those policies. But one new policy that I've, uh, I've implemented recently is I will say, hey, what is one thing we should be talking about right now? Mm-hmm. Because uh, what does Tony Robbins say? You want to kill Godzilla when he's a baby, not when he's taking over the city. Yeah. And that's what our problems are. We wait until Godzilla is lurking at the outskirts of the city, breathing fire. And it's like, oh, we should deal with that problem. Mm. No, 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 no. Look, there are all these little tiny Godzilla eggs. Let's kill. Let's squish the Godzilla eggs right now while we can before they turn into this monster that is overtaking the city. Yeah, I like that. Lori, with the advent of Facebook, I've accumulated friends I otherwise wouldn't have interacted with much in the real world. How do I declutter my broad social circle without feeling like I'm dissing these friends? I think there are two things you've done, Ryan, that really stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is like on Twitter, for example, yeah. which I still, Twitter is my favorite platform personally. Likewise. Uh, Actually, I, Instagram, I think I like better, but. Well, the only reason it's my favorite, I actually agree with you that I think Instagram is is more visually appealing. and I like Twitter for the right reasons. I like Instagram for the wrong reasons. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's spot on. <laughs> and, and so for me, Twitter, I've connected with more people. In fact, the reason we get some of the great guests that we have on the podcast, we have some really good conversations, whether it's Johan Hari or, or Johan Hari um, or... Um, Erwin McManus, like all these different people, quite often we're, we're connecting with them on Twitter. Yeah. And and it's allowed me to make really good, meaningful friendships. It starts on Twitter, but it doesn't end there. And that is the important part. If it ends there, then it's a, a cheap, loose connection. What we were talking to Johan Hari about, junk connections, which mm. will be out in a few weeks after this. But uh, those those junk connections, if they just stay online, they're junk connections. The question is, how can you use social media to create 
the stronger connections. And mm. if you can use it in a way to create those stronger connections, great. Ryan, you did two things that really stand out to me. One is you unfollowed everyone on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah. At a uh, period Twitter, of time? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. I just put out a message like, hey, no offense. I know. Because like some people, like my sister, for example. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe you follow me. I mean, like it really means something to her. Yeah. Probably for the wrong reasons. Right. But I, I mean, if she feels that way, I'm sure there's one other person and I didn't want to like, you know, have to comb through. So I just sent out a mass post like, hey, sorry, I'm unfollowing everyone. Yeah. No offense. I'm just taking a little break. And um, I actually got, uh, by and large, 99.9% like positive feedback. Uh, our buddy, uh, Jason Zook, he like sent me a message. He's like, enjoy your social media def- uh, d- d- fast. And I actually got the idea from him actually was mm-hmm. from him unfollowing people. And he pretty much put out the same message I did. So I would probably do that differently. I, I don't think I would tell people that I'm, I'm unfollowing. I would just unfollow everyone. So if they came to my page, they would see, oh yeah, he doesn't follow anyone. Like mm-hmm. it, Obviously it's not personal if he unfollowed everyone. Yeah. Um, the, where you have to be careful is if you do something in between, you know, I'm gonna unfollow half the people, then it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. But then- you Why know, am I not one of the chosen people? But then what you're talking about is slowly- Well, what's great- adding people. What's right? great, man, is like you start to look, you start to search for people. Uh-huh. So like on Instagram, there are a couple, uh, they're artists or they display a lot of other people's artists. And I will, I was like, oh, I really want to see what they're up to. And like, what's, you know, the latest stuff that they're doing. So like, I have to search for them or on Twitter, like, oh, what is Jason Zook up to? I'm going to search for his name. So after a month, you know, I had a handful or a couple handfuls of people that I was looking up intentionally mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, those are the people that I need to follow. These are the ones that I, I like to know what's going on in their life. And it's funny because I slowly but surely I've been adding people back. I'll probably do another social media detox here in the next couple months. Yeah, and I think that that's helpful. And then also you got rid of an app that wasn't adding value to you. You, you, you no longer are on Facebook as a result. Yeah, I mean, Facebook, it's funny because I actually have been thinking about getting back on there recently, uh-huh. but here's why. Uh, talking to one of my good friends, he is part of this group. I forget the name of it. I got it on my email. But long story short, it's this really amazing support group for. It's r- my uh, my app. I need to take a, a pill. Apparently, <laughs> it's a really amazing support group for entrepreneurs. And what I like about it, it's not the support that I want to get, it's the support that I want to give. Oh, okay. Because I love to mentor people and I really want to mentor people who are in, who are in the thick of it right now. Yeah. Like that is, you know, I mean, I guess to get more niche on people that I want to mentor, it's like people who are in the thick of it and they just need a different perspective on this amazing thing that they already have going on. Right, but you for the longest time you realized that hey, Facebook is more of a time suck, it's not worth it. Right. And and so you you got rid of it. And yes. now if you realize there's a, a reason to bring it back in, it's totally appropriate. It has to be a compelling reason. I'll not. probably join Facebook under a pseudonym uh-huh. cuz I don't want to get stuck in the trap of having to deny people. Why aren't you my friend? Why aren't you my friend? I sent you a friend request. Dude, I'd have people come up to our events. Ryan, I have a friend. I have a message sitting in your inbox. Why haven't you responded to it? I have a friend request sitting in your inbox. Why have you not responded to it? And it's like, when I look at Facebook on its best day, on its best, absolute best day, it pacified me. And on its worst day, it ruined my life or it ruined someone else's life. Uh-huh. 
So I got rid of it because there was actually no net positive to having Facebook for me. But like you said, if there's a reason to bring it back in, I will. But I'll do it under a pseudonym just so I can avoid all of the the I don't know, the cesspool of Facebook, man. Lori, a couple a couple quick tips for you. One is I really like what Ryan did starting at zero and then going after the ones that that you really feel fondly about I me. Mean, I, I think about Anthony Jesselnick on Twitter. He's hilarious. So I, I, I follow him, but I also like I find I, I still search out his I'll just go to my browser and I'll type in twitter.com slash Anthony Jesselnick because I want to see what has he tweeted recently. Sam Harris is another one. And so uh, there are people who even though I follow them, I find I'm more compelled to actually just go straight to their account. It's almost like going to a website instead of following them on social media. Another question to ask yourself is, what do you really get out of social media? Do you really need it? And the only way to really find the answer out to that is take a month off or a quarter off and see how your life improves or if your life gets worse as a result. Just unfollow everyone, take a whole month off, get it off your phones. And I would actually recommend keeping it off your phone in perpetuity. Last thing to... to to say is there's something called Dunbar's number. Uh, it's mm. basically the, the theory is that we can only have up to 150 loose connections. I can and, do 151. <laughs> and, and beyond 150, you start to get diminishing returns basically. Yeah. And so if you have 500 Facebook friends, you don't really remember them. In fact, you probably have some friends that you don't even know who they are or who you've never met in person and have no intention of meeting in person. And if that's the case, you know, try to follow fewer than 150 people. I try to keep it under 100 and uh, I, I will liberally unfollow. And by the way, we encourage people to liberally unfollow us on social media as well. Yeah. If you're no longer finding value in what we're putting out in the world, then please unfollow us as well. Josh, what's the inside of your car look like? <laughs> That's a Julie's question here. If you want to know, I have a, a video up on YouTube from last June. Uh, and so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I, I was actually going to pick up Bex and Ella from the airport. And so I, while I was there waiting on them, I just filmed a quick video of uh, one of the living room conversations. It was a field trip living room conversation, but it was in my <laughs> car because someone asked that question. What does the inside of your car look like? And so I said, well, I'll show you. But it's pretty aggressively simple. My, my glove box is, there's an one envelope with two pieces of paper inside of it. It's my insurance card and my registration. There's nothing else in my glove box. There is- You read your manual? No, I don't need my manual. Yeah. I've, I've got uh, my phone. Um, and uh, the back seat has a car seat. Uh, although if I, I'm, if I don't have Ella that week, I take the car seat out because I don't <laughs> like having that additional clutter in there. Uh, my inside console has hand sanitizer, one pack of gum, a phone charger, 24 quarters and, uh, eight quarters <laughs> all heads up and, uh, <laughs> one, two, three. And I have, uh, Oh, uh, some Kleenexes that they actually have a, I have a Toyota. So like they go in the little storage container where Kleenexes go. And then there, Bex has some lotion in there that she keeps in there because we share a car in California. And that's it. That's that's all that's in my car. I think she also asked about eating or drinking in your car. I will drink water or coffee in my car, and there is absolutely no eating in my car, even or especially for Ella. I have a 2004 Toyota Corolla. You could take a dump in the back seat. I mean, as long as I get the smell out, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it leaks when it rains. Uh, the AC just recently went out. I got to go get that looked at. Um, yeah, I pretty much 
the in the trunk i've got i got my three long, bodies yep <laughs> i have my longboard i got a pair of jumper cables and my spare tire mm-hmm. um doesn't really i mean like i don't have everything all nice and neat like i got i have quarters in my car but they're just like thrown into a change jar yeah i've got my uh 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 some stamps in there and the same thing with the change i would keep my key in there i don't i, I don't I actually just keep the fob on me mm-hmm. oh man someone's gonna steal my car now <laughs> so they're gonna sell it on ebay as yeah. seen in minimalism a documentary about the important things and then uh in my glove box uh, i do have the manual because there's just a bunch of lights that are going off and on and it's a lot easier for me to look up in the manual although i could look it up on my phone um and then uh yes yeah, so like so my version of kleenex is just a bunch of napkins in my glove box <laughs> Chipotle. you know as you were describing your car because we got about the same stuff there's probably you know a few more things in my car um than yours the you have a full glove box that's for sure here's here's the th- here's the thing is that i it's actually not that it was full that one time you borrowed it actually what i do is i just keep throwing things in the glove box and then josh eventually borrows the car and cleans it out for me because he's a good friend <laughs> um so uh yeah there's really not that much in there right now I, I don't yeah i've got my i don't even have my insurance card in there that i keep on my phone um it's mostly napkins in that in that manual anyway anyway uh where was i going with this um i don't keep cards on my phone oh i know what i was gonna say no, no my insurance my, my proof of insurance is on my phone yeah I, I just don't do that because like i have like a lot of pics i wouldn't want a police officer to see oh yeah it's not on my it's not on my photos it's oh. just in my email i have it filed i can just go to my email and pull it up i got you um what i was gonna say is i just realized like when it comes to our apartments when it comes to our cars i mean we we don't have appreciably i mean i got more stuff because i have a cat it's not it's i mean for all intents and purposes you got a kid <laughs> so yeah i have maybe, more stuff because i have a kid right but because you're so organized yeah with your stuff you're you are much more interesting where when you come to my place it's not very interesting it's, I'm just, yeah I'm, it's I'm, very banal because it's just a place i'm just obsessive that's all and yeah. and uh i'm less compulsive than i am obsessive but the easiest way to 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 be compulsive is to to have that the have a healthy obsession and and it's that's the key is it's a healthy obsession like things are tidy and organized but i'm also willing to acquiesce and leave some room for a family and yes ella will bring her toys out into the living room and throw them all over the floor but at the end of the day she has to clean them up and and they they have to go back in their place that play-doh stuff she has that is some messy stuff man it is oh my god yeah luckily like vacuums up pretty easily it does it's awesome though man it was we had a lot of fun with that when we were babysitting i think we did that we were playing uh um so uh, with on cranium the game yeah you know, it's trivia slash fact, facts slash drawing, Pictionary. But there's one specific activity with cranium where you sculpt something. Yeah. And you try to guess what it is. And, like, we just did that with that sculpting thing for, like, hour or two. Like, that's what we did most of the night. We sculpted things. Creating. Yeah. Kids like to create. Guessing. And, you know, it's fun. I was trying to help her so much because she couldn't think of anything. Yeah. She had to like, she would look in the room. She's not that bright. <laughs> no, she's too bright. That's, I think that might be it, man. No, it's like she's real she's, athletic. She's, really, but she's, she's like, really literal. She's middle of the pack. But long story short, I was like trying to help her. I'm like, think about when you go to the zoo. What kind of animals do you see? Or think about it if you're in the garden. What do you, you know, like trying to help her. But she would like get up and walk around the house and then she'd come back and she'd be like, all right, I have something. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we got one more question here from Sarah Ballard. She says, do you guys feel decluttered now or is decluttering a constant process? Yes and yes. That is it, Thanks for joining us. Love people and use things. We'll see you next time. We love you, patrons. Thank you so much. The Minimalists. <laughs>